All right. Well, we are in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, of course, means second law. Uh, there's repetition there, a lot of repetition. You've got to remember uh, that as we're going through the book of Exodus and as we're going through the book of Numbers, you have that first generation of Israelites coming out of the land of Egypt, going to Mount Sinai to receive the law of God, and then from there going through the wilderness towards the promised land, which we're told is an, uh, uh, an 11-day journey. But then, of course, we know they got to the promised land, and they sent in the 12 spies who came back, two with a good report, the rest with a negative report, and all the children of Israel, the entire nation, completely lost heart, uh, rejected the promises of God, and therefore God said, this entire generation is going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until every single last one of them who had hearts of disbelief have gone on, have passed away, and it's their children who are going to then enter into the promised land. So uh, as we get to the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy, historically, this is a, written about 1450 B.C., this is Moses now coming to the edge of the promised land once again with this next generation of Israelites, and so second law, right? The first generation heard the law, the second generation is going to heard the law, hear the law as well. And Moses also is going to be seasoning that with warnings, divine warnings, to not be disbelievers the way their parents were. Um, so we're going to open up to Deuteronomy chapter 1. We're starting in verse 34, and let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, Lord, and we praise you and we thank you and we glorify you, Lord, for your great goodness and your mercy, Lord, and your compassion towards us. God bless you. <laughs> uh, Father, we thank you that you've called us out of the darkness and into your marvelous light. We're thankful, Father, that you've rescued us and you've freed us from the bondage of our own sin uh, and of our own dark hearts, Lord God, and that you've brought us into your marvelous light, Lord, and you've brought us unto salvation, to the cross of Calvary, Lord, where all of our burdens can be laid at the cross and at the feet of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, and we're so, we're so grateful for that. We want to gather here today. We want to worship you. We want to praise you. Uh, we want to thank you because you're worthy, Father, first and foremost. And from there, Father, we then want to learn from you by your holy word. We want to be instructed by your word through the power of your Holy Spirit as you interpret this to our hearts. And we pray that you would be transforming us, that we would actively be being changed and renewed and conformed and transformed into the glorious image of your Son, Jesus Christ, Father. Uh, and it's in his name that we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. So <clears throat> Deuteronomy, we're picking up in verse uh, 34 of chapter 1, and Moses is continuing with this next generation, telling them the tale of the exodus and their journeys from Egypt to Mount Sinai through the wilderness to the promised land, and he's now getting to the point in the story where he's telling them about the rebellion of their parents. Uh, and he says in verse 32, we'll start with that, yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents to show you the way you should go. Notice, in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. And the Lord heard the sound of your words and was angry and took an oath saying, surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see that good land of which I swore to give to your fathers. I want to stop there for a moment. 
Moses is bringing them back to that point in history when they had come to the precipice of entering into the promised land and all the good things that God had promised them being realized. And notice what he says in verse 33, as God was going before them in the fire by night and in the cloud by day, Scripture tells us that when the tabernacle would be set up, a pillar of cloud, the presence of God would appear in a pillar of cloud. Now, what exactly that pillar of cloud looks like, you can take your best guess. You can Google it and see pictures, you know, that probably do it no justice. But there was this idea that the glory of God was always amongst the children of Israel. He was always in their presence. He was in the center of their camp. And it's also important for us to notice and realize that he was always dwelling above the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a symbol, was a picture of their worship to God and their obedience to his word. And that's where he dwelt. He didn't go from tent to tent. What do you think? Well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? You know where I'll be is the sense, okay? You know where I'm going to be, God says. I'm going to be in my, about the business of my word as I have written it, as I have spoken it, so it's going to be established, and that's where you're going to find me, and you're going to find me in the place where I told you I would be where you could meet with me. And that's where God is, okay? God doesn't move. He's the same yesterday and today and forevermore. We're the ones that get lost, right? We're the ones that get off the beaten path. We're the ones that get out in the weeds. God doesn't go anywhere, and he is easy for us to find. We know right where he's at. You know, I remember at different parts in, in times in my life when I would be doing things that, were, that were, I knew were not pleasing to the Lord, and suddenly my phone would ring, and it would be my pops. It would be my dad calling me right at that moment. And it was like, you know, the holy water on the vampire, you know, you know, because I don't want to talk to that dude. I don't want to talk to him. I love my dad, but I don't want to talk to him right now. You know why? Because just how you doing, son? How you doing, son? You know, I don't want to hear it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I want to do is what I'm doing. You know what I mean? And I don't want to hear about it from you. You know, I was never ever in the middle of sin and rebellion and running away from God and said, boy, you know what? Pass me the joint in that Bible. You know what I mean? And let me, let's get into the word here. You know, uh, it just, it's just it's mutually exclusive. My will and me running after the things of the world and doing the things I know that God had told me that I ought not to do, and then being in his presence and being where his will is are mutually exclusive. You know where I'll be. I'll be dwelling above the holy place in the presence of the Spirit and in the word of God. That's where I'm going to be. And please come, and please join me there. And that's always where God was. And he, and he appeared in a pillar of cloud, it says, by day, and by night, a pillar of fire. What did that look like? You know what I mean? To give light to the whole camp. The presence of God was always there. There was always something tangible that they were able to look at, and they were able to say, there's God. There he is, the one that gave us the promises, the one that told us all of these things. There he is, and there he goes before us. And Moses is making the point to the children of Israel to, here to this next generation that even in the midst of the presence of God and seeing him and, and knowing that he was there and understanding that the words he spoke and the promises that he gave, yet your parents' hearts rebelled against him. And yet even in the, in the midst of miracles and even in the midst of all that God had already accomplished and all the things that they knew God had said, their hearts were so easily led astray. And he says in verse 34 the God, that the Lord heard the sound of your words and was angry and took an oath. Uh, Deuteronomy 
um, let's see, in, in, earlier here in chapter 1, if you go to Deuteronomy 1, verse 22, okay, Moses reiterating, he says, and every one of you came near to me and said, let us send men before us, this is before they sent the spies out, let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us, now I want you, this is what I want you to notice, and bring back word to us of the way by which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come. So they didn't tell Moses, I want you to send, we want to send spies into the land to find out if we can do this thing or not. We really don't really believe that this, this may not be possible. We're really having a lapse of faith here. They didn't vocalize that. They were shifty. They were deceitful. They went around the outside. We just want to send spies up so, you know, we can see the best way to get in. That's, we want to see. People are so false, are they not? And we are so sometimes self-deceived. You ever make a deal with yourself? <laughs> how many times today, you know, how many times this week have you made a deal with yourself? Oh, I'm just going to do, do, do. I'll be there shortly, Lord. I just want to do, 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 do first. Or I just want to do, 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 do first, right? Talking trash. Talking trash. God, I, 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 no, honestly, I really do want to do your will. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's not what the scripture teaches us about our hearts, is it? There's no one righteous. No, not one. There's no one who seeks to do the will of God. My heart, left to its own devices, is nothing but wickedness. The Bible says that the heart of a man is wicked, it's deceitful, and it's beyond even finding out. You know what that means? You don't even know what you're capable of. You don't even know how far you could really go. And God says, I, the Lord, alone search the hearts and souls. And David said to the Lord God, search me and see if there be in me a wicked way. God knows every single thing about you. He knows everything, every single thing about you. He wants your honesty. He wants your fidelity. He wants you to be obedient to what he says. Now, we blow it all the time. And the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God that we have through Jesus Christ, we talked about this a little bit yesterday at the marriage seminar, it makes up the gap. This is one of the greatest and most beautiful truths about our faith and about our belief in Jesus Christ, that because you are, you are covered, okay, spiritually speaking, by receiving the gift of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross for your sins, and you say, I believe that, and I accept that to myself. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I believe he died on the cross for my sins, and I want him to be my Lord and Savior. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You shall be saved. And this amazing miracle happens and takes place at that time where the Holy Spirit enters into your life, and you are covered you are covered. That atonement, based on your faith, based on your faith, based on your acceptance of the gift of God, you are atoned for. The blood of Jesus Christ washes away all of your transgressions and all of your sins, and so God is able to see you as complete in Christ Jesus. In other words, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed to you. I'm going to say that again. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed to you. That means he makes up the gap for you. When you come into the presence of God, you know what I'm saying? A miss is as good as a mile. You are so far in all of your righteousness, which the Bible says all of our righteousnesses is what? Filthy rags. That's the rags they use to wrap the sores of lepers in. 
That's what my righteousness is compared to the holiness of God. But when I come before him and I am still falling so far short of what he wants me to be in Christ Jesus, because I am in Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ's righteousness makes up the difference. And so I can come to him like the old hymn says, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And so I can come boldly, the scripture says, into the throne room of God and cry out, Abba, Father. Abba is Aramaic for daddy. It's the idea of a little child running into the house or running into the room or running out to wherever. Daddy, daddy, daddy. We can boldly enter into the presence of God like that because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. But the Bible always lays out for the believer obedience. Obedience, obedience. This grace that we have, this fact that Jesus covers the gap for us, that he makes up the difference, is in no way an excuse for the Christian to continue to live a life of compromise. To continue to live a life of confessing and saying with our mouths, but not believing in our hearts. And of being double-minded. And of talking the trash. I just want to. But it'll just be a minute. But Lord, I just blah, 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 blah. What does the word of God say? What does God say? Be obedient to what he says. That's where he can be found. And so here's the words that they said in Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. After the reports came back, the 12 spies came back. Of course, Joshua and Caleb were like, let's go. We should have been on the way yesterday. Let's go up and smoke these fools. You know what I mean? That's Joshua and Caleb. And everyone else is like, there's giants in the land. And I, if you could see. And 2 million people approximately, they see the two courageous men and they see the 10 cowards and they run to the cowardly. There's this evil thing within all of us that we are so prone to be paralyzed by our own fears. We are so prone, but, but, but you don't understand. But, 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 but you don't understand. Whose God do you belong to? Or who is your God, I should say? Who do you belong to? Who is the one who sits on the throne of your life? Who is the one who called you to be his own? Who is the one who called you to obedience? Who is the one? It's the same one who called things into existence that were not. It's the same one that stopped the sun in its tracks. He's the same God that opened up the Red Seas. The same God that dropped the walls of Jericho. He's the same God that was with few people in battles against millions of people and brought the victory. The same God that King David served, the same God that Moses served, the same God that the Apostle Paul served is the God that you serve. What fear is there? And in what thing in our lives should we be timid or afraid or apprehensive to do what God's called us to do and to move forward? So the truth of their hearts came out when the spies came back and they're looking for this report. The sons of Anak are there. There's giants in the land. There's these descendants of the Nephilim from the old age that are there in the land. And that's exactly what they needed to hear. And immediately they began to cry out in fear. Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 through, through 3 says this. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. 
And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if, oh, imagine God hearing these words. If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and children should become victims. Anybody here worried about being a victim? Anybody here worried about being a victim of something that you can't see? Or some evil that's happening in our world today? I guarantee you the enemy wants to paralyze you with fear. I'm not going to get into what I believe and what I think because who gives a rip? Who gives a rip what I think, what I believe? You go out into the world and say, who tells you what to do and how to live your life? This sprinkler fitter, <laughs> this guy, yeah, well, oh yeah, he's not that bright, but listen, we do whatever he says. I'm a moron, okay? I got, I got enough intelligence to get around, okay? The word of God is what we live by. The word of God is what we go by. I promise you, I guarantee you that the enemy wants to paralyze you with fear, so that you're un incapable or disqualified from doing what God is calling to you to do in this time that we live in, in this day that we live in. Not to be political one way or another, not to say I believe in the other, and get into you know, the, 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 the daily Facebook arguments that are good for what? You, you, have you noticed there's not a tremendous amount of resolutions found in these Facebook fights? Have you noticed? It never ends with, hey, good point. Good, you, know, you know what? Ooh, ooh, good point. You know what? I'm going to think about that. You know what I mean? Ooh, rah, is what it is. All the time. Rah, you know. No profit whatsoever. And people are afraid. And people are running around in fear. And Christians are paralyzed with fear. And Christians are afraid to go out and do what Jesus Christ has called us to do. Go into all the world, making disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, unless there's a case of COVID going around. Unless there's a riot in your city. Then by all means, go to Gander Mountain, buy a 12-gauge with a thousand rounds so that you can kill everyone who comes to take your crap with your indoor ventilation system. You know what I mean? So you don't get the COVID. I'm not saying COVID's not a real thing. Again, I'm not going into any of that stuff. I'm an idiot, all right? It is what it is. I believe what I believe. Who cares? What has God called us to do? Now listen to me. As I'm saying that to you right now, understand this. I can't put a trip on you. And if I do put a trip on you, I'm wrong. I'm false for doing that. Only the Holy Spirit can tell you, 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 what you need to do. And I promise you he will. Don't talk trash. He knows your heart. He knows everything. The thing that your closest friend, your closest companion doesn't know, he knows intimately about you. And he loves you just the same. And he seeks to put within you a spirit of power to do what he's called you to do. 
Only don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous, as Joshua would say. Why has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Leaders will take you to Egypt. I don't care what side of the fence they're on. Friends, leaders will take you to Egypt. You already got out of Egypt where you were a slave and where you were bought. It's all just another system of control. It's all just another thing to get you put in this compartment or that compartment so that you can be controlled. That's why religion has always, always been made subject to the government. That's why they have always sought to take away religious freedom and liberty down through the ages. It is a clear and present threat because it sets you free. And the Bible says if he has set us free, then we are free indeed. It is for freedom that Christ has made you free. Not to be conformed to the patterns of this world or the patterns of your own heart or to still walk in the same lawlessness that you did before Jesus Christ. You have been set free so that you can boldly go out and serve him and love him and just follow wherever it is that he leads you without fear knowing that if you fall, when you fall, if you blow it, when you blow it, you're covered, you're covered, you're covered, you're covered. Get up, keep moving forward. Get up, keep moving forward. That's the message. Caleb's response, Numbers chapter 13, verses 30 to 31. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession. You wonder why God likes this guy, huh? For we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Numbers 14, 3 to 10. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. And here it is, my friends. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. And then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. And that's when God said, you ain't going in. What am I going to do with you? How could I send you in now, even if I opened the, the sky supernaturally and picked you up and set you down in the land and put angels around you without your faith, without your belief in that what I said is yes and amen, I can't use you. There's nothing that I can do with you. Remember when Jesus Christ was working his ministry on planet earth and he's going around and his, his, his miracles, the son of God, his miracles so often were determined by the amount of faith that the people had. 
And he found this amazing thing to be true that his own family and the people of his own town and the people his own countrymen didn't believe and didn't have faith. But Roman centurions and Gentile women had faith and believed and it would say, Jesus marveled at their faith. And Jesus would say, your faith has made you whole. He needs our faith. God has chosen to do his will and to work the workings that will bring about the kingdom of God through you. He has chosen to do his work through you and me. He needs our belief, our faith, our obedience. Uh, more about Caleb. Joshua chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. The children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. <laughs> and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, listen to, listen to Caleb, all right? You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, remember him, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because, 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 because of all of the wonderful faith that he does. That's not what it says. Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. And yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard it in that day how the Anakim were there, the giants, the sons, the, 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 the last surviving remnants of the Nephilim, how they were there, and that the cities were great and fortified, Give them to me. The hardest place to go, the most difficult battles to fight. Joshua, give them to me. Here's why. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Joshua 15, 13 to 14. Now Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a share among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord, to Joshua, namely Kirjath Arba, which is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak, okay, of the giants. And Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, Sheshai, Ahman, and Talmai, the children of Anak, at 80 five years old. Now, I'm not promising you here the Jack LaLanne secrets to health, okay? It's not what we're talking about here. Pastor today said if we have faith at 85, we'll still be able to fight wars and run marathons. Don't bet on it. 
don't bet on it. We are under the new covenant. We are under the covenant of Jesus Christ. The promises, and this is something that the church blows it and screws this up all the time. There's the promises that God made to the children of Israel that for, were for the children of Israel and that physical nation alone. Oh, amen. Thank you. Amen. Then there are promises that he made to the children of Israel that are universal and are brought about by faith. And then there's the promises that he made to the church. In this world, Jesus says, here's a promise we all love, you will have tribulation. Thank you! Can't I live to be 85 like this guy? You know, No, no, you're going to get tribulation. But you have the spirit of almighty God, and you are more than conquerors. Believe me. There's no reason that someone, whether they're 25, whether they're 45, or whether they're 85, with the Spirit of God, can't do the great, same, mighty works of valor and might for the kingdom of God that anybody else has done in Scripture by the power of the Spirit of God. It comes by faith. It comes by belief. And 45 years later, at 85 years old, Caleb says, give me the mountain. You know what I mean? I don't even know what he looked like. You know what I'm saying? Like, did he still look young? Or did he look like an 85-year-old guy? And people are like, you know, somebody, somebody stop him. You know, put him in the home. He doesn't know. He doesn't know what's good for him anymore. You know, lock him up. You know what I mean? Get the, get the straitjacket for this guy, you know? Give me the mountain. You know, but Caleb went up and drove out the sons of Anak because of the faith that he had. And I love what he says. It may be. It may be. Well, what if it may not be? What then? Die, girl. He didn't fear that. He feared more not being a person who walked and exercised faith than any physical death, than any physical death. What are you afraid of, Christian? Are you afraid of something that comes from this world? Or are you afraid of not being what God has called you to be? I'm a little of both. <laughs> I confess. Confession time. I'm a little of both. I got plenty of fears. I got plenty of apprehensions and a billion shortcomings. Let me tell you something. I want to be who Jesus wants me to be. Amen? I hope that's your prayer today. I may not be even close but I want to be what Jesus wants me to be. And I don't want to be limited by fear. I don't want to be held back and paralyzed or worse, disqualified from inheriting the promises of God because of my fear, because of my lack of faith, because of my lack of obedience to the word of God. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, what does it profit my brethren? If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Remember the... Um, fig tree. And Jesus walked up to the fig tree, and it had all the appearances, it had all the green leaves, it had every appearance as it should of being a tree that would have had figs, but when he arrived and he got there, there was no fruit. There was no figs. And so Jesus cursed the tree. 
Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works. You understand what I'm saying? What does that look like? Okay, everyone, on the count of three, show me your faith. Well, it's in here somewhere, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, there's my faith. How are you, brother? I show you my faith. Blessed of the Lord, hashtag blessed. That's how I show my faith. Hashtag blessed, hashtag blessed. You know what I mean? You know, hashtag blessed. Show me, he says. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second that's like it, what? Love your neighbor as yourself. We talked about this at the marriage seminar yesterday. If I want to know what someone's relationship with God is like and what it's all about, all I have to do, I have to look no further than by how they treat people. I hope they mow them all down. <laughs> really? In Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. I hope when you see Antifa and whatever on TV burning their own cities down, I hope your hearts are broken. I hope you're crushed at the fact that these people who are clamoring after justice and clamoring after whatever, whether it's, whether it's justified, whether it's not, whether it's this, whether it's that, they don't have Jesus Christ in their hearts. They don't have Jesus Christ in their life. Who's going to tell them? I need to convince them that they're wrong. I need to convince them they're voting the wrong way. I need to convince them, blah. I need to, they need to be convinced somebody loves you, and it starts with me. I love you because he first loved me. Show me your faith, James says. Show me your faith. I'm going to show you by the things that I do. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 3, verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. What is Jesus talking about? Nicodemus didn't know. He was like, huh, what? Jesus said, you're the teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. It's not about you making big waves and big movements. It's not about you taking a stand and hear that. The presence of your life, the existence of your life and the Holy Spirit living within you will change the landscape around you. Will change the landscape around you by the Spirit of God. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence, the evidence of things not seen. Again, you can't see wind, but you know when it's here, don't you? You know when it's here. You can hear it as it howls against the structure. You can see what it does to the trees. So it is with the Spirit of God in his children. James chapter 2, verses 14 and 26. You believe that there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe, and they tremble. But do you want to know? I like this. Do you want to know? Oh, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? 
And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11 says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And here it is, the, portion I, the part of this I wanted to read. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. And that's really the confession that really probably all of us could make at some point. I love my life. I don't want to lose what I got. It may not be a lot. It may not be a tremendous amount. It may not live in opulent luxury. But I don't want to lose what I have. I love my life. This is why when we pray, when the offering's being taken, we always pray, Lord, help us never, ever, ever to hold the things that you've blessed us with in a place of preeminence over the one who has blessed us. Everything that God has given us and everything that God has done for us is for us to give back. That there's this free flowing of the blessings of God. I'm just a middleman. I'm just a middleman. I hope you're just a middleman or a middlewoman. I hope that's all you are. It's about his will being done, his will being accomplished. And how much do we believe in the promises of God? The children of Israel talked a good game. All the things that you have spoken, we will do. Enter in, except for that. Because can't you see? It's impossible. There's giants in the land. We're afraid. But the saints of old didn't love their lives to the death. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 3. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our... All our fathers were under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank from the same spiritual drink. For that they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not pleased well, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Hebrews 3, 7, 19 says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren. That's the, the writer of Hebrews talking to you and talking to me. Beware, brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, how it sneaks in, how it finds its way in, how it finds its way in, the deceitfulness of sin, and we find ourselves far away from where God has called us to be. For we have, been, we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast 
to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. A couple more verses. James 1, 5 to 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. And then later in the same letter, James says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. This is your works. This is the works that God has called each of us to. Show me your faith by your works. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. You have sin in your life? You have something that you've, you've kept from God in your life that you know is wrong, that the scripture is clear about is wrong? Cleanse your hands. It's as easy as repenting. It's as easy as crying out to Jesus Christ. It's done. It's gone as far as the east is from the west. He remembers it no more. You have to step out in faith. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purify your hearts, you're double-minded. God, I'm sick of saying I wanna. I'm sick of saying I wanna. I'm sick of saying I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I wanna. Lord, help me to be like Caleb. This world is bread for me. Dipped in a little buffalo chicken wing sauce even, maybe. It's bread for you. It's bread for you. You are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. I guarantee you, the struggles. Now, we all have struggles, and we all have pain, and we all have tribulation, and we all have temptation. Everything is common to man. But the thing that's holding you back is nothing more than your lack of belief. The thing that's holding you back from being the person that God wants you to be is nothing more than your unbelief, than your double-mindedness, than your clinging to old sin. Let it go. Let it go. Believe in what God has said. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much for the, the examples we have in Scripture uh, of what to do and also what not to do, Father. And we confess to you, Lord, that we find so many of the same attributes of the children of Israel in our own hearts, Lord, and, and in our the own situations that we've been in, Father. And we're so thankful, we're so grateful that you've forgiven us, that you've cleansed us, and that Jesus Christ makes up the difference where we lack, Father. And yet, we want to be like Paul. We want to press on towards the goals set before us in Jesus Christ, Lord. We don't want to be complacent. We don't want to be double-minded. We don't want to have hearts of unbelief, Father. We want to believe, and we want to see miracles done in our homes, in our workplace, in our church, and all around us, Father. Show us where to go and give us the faith to follow you, Lord, to do exactly what it is you've called us to do, Lord, not to be complacent and not to be disbelievers, Lord, not to be double-minded. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. 
Thank you, Father God, for the seal of redemption. We thank you and praise you. I ask that you be with my brothers and sisters as they go from this place, that you'd watch over them. I pray, Father, that you would be with them in all of their risings and fallings and their comings and goings. I pray that you'd cause your face to shine upon them, that you'd be gracious to them. And Lord, show them, show them for themselves personally that as they draw near to you, how you will draw near to them, Father. Inhabit their hearts, fill them with praise and thanksgiving, Lord, as they draw into you. And do miracles in their lives, I pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love you, fam.